Alright, we haven't quite figured out if we're going to have music or not, but welcome to, uh, let's call it season five <laughs> of Dad's Right. Well, let's see how this works. Yeah, it's recording from where I thought it was going to. Okay, perfect. We, uh, we're not using our typical recording devices. I normally have my iPad, but it's uh, on its last legs. Yeah. So we're using a different device, different program, and uh, don't really know how to use it. No, but hopefully once uh, we do, it will be somewhat more regular in terms of how often we record. Yeah. Alrighty. So it's been a while. It has. Sometimes when it's been a while, but like less of a while, I attempt to recap sort of most things that were missed. But uh, no. No, it would be too much. <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember when we did the last one. Uh, Democratic, or not Democratic, um, American midterms. Right. Roughly. Yeah, so, yeah. November-ish, maybe December. Yeah. A quarter of a year ago. All right. Oh, <laughs> January. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, long time. It might be, If it was November, I guess that'd be even six months ago. Yeah. If it was a little later, a little less, but yeah, quarter to half of a year ago. So lots of stuff happened, um, but there's plenty current that I don't think we need to go over what happened in the last six months. But also I forget what's happened in the last six months. Like, I don't know what's news. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> um, what, do you, what do you have? Oh, no, you said you had a bunch, so I just thought I'd comment on that. Okay. <laughs> I just have a few things. Um Let's start abroad and then bring it home at the end. Um, it's about Australia first, because I thought it was interesting. The Australian Labour Party is having a big moment because they now control the federal government and every state government except Tasmania which is like so they control like six of seven states wow yeah they just won a state election that um uh they hadn't held for like something like 20 years so they had a big game there and then there was a federal by-election where for the first time in over a century the government took a seat from the opposition so the labor government took a seat from their uh i think it's like called the liberal national coalition the opposition party and it was a seat that the liberal nationals have had for a very long time wow so the sort of main right-wing party there is collapsing and it's interesting because it's their their um it's called the Liberal National Coalition. It is technically a coalition between two parties that almost acts as one. And it's like progressive, conservative, and reform party. And here they just like formally merged one party. There it's still two separate party apparatuses. Um, but they run different, like a national candidate in a riding that the national party is going to do well in, and a liberal candidate in the party. Of Lib like for all intents and purposes, it's one party but they uh, operate somewhat differently. 
And it is the sort of progressive conservative side of it that's dragging them down. The nationals, which are the further right, are actually still um, doing about the same as they were before. But the quote unquote liberal, it's called the liberal, which is their progressive conservative, is uh, dragging them down. So I thought it was, a little, it was interesting, that sort of bit of history. Um, and uh, the it sort of is an example of how Canada is a bit of an anomaly in the Anglosphere, meaning here the States, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, more or less, where in all the other places, the right wing is doing quite poorly. You know, Republicans had an underwhelming midterm, Labour's running rampant in Australia, uh, the current governing conservatives in the UK are polling at like 23% and Labour's polling at like 52, which is insane. Uh, New Zealand, um, Labour, despite being in government for a long time, is still keeping competitive. Wow, the Conservatives there can't seem to get ahead. Pardon me, it's called the National Party there. Um, it's uh, And yet here, you know, the Conservatives haven't won an election in a while, but they keep winning the popular vote and are probably going to win the next election. So it's just interesting, I feel, that we're a little out of step. Well, I don't know. I mean, the U.S., I think, is is similar to us just they've had you can't you can't count like their right wing is a mess yeah i think if they had a decent candidate they the right wing would do all right down there maybe but i think the point is the right wing is a mess across the anglosphere like it's a mess in the uk as well after liz truss and uh it's a mess in australia under peter dutton um it's just that's the thing. The right wing is a bit of a mess all over the Anglosphere, except they seem to be doing okay here. Yeah, a uh, new leader. Oh, maybe. Yeah. That's why. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, it will be interesting to see. I don't want to say I wouldn't be surprised, because it actually might be a little surprising. But a campaign, or even just a bit of minority government under Pierre Polyev, might uh, turn the right into a bit of a mess. I mean, they, our right wing is kind of... Like, how many leaders have they eaten in the past, you know, couple of years? Like, they're not exactly stable. Um, yeah. So we'll see where where things are going. But yeah, Australian labor doing well. Um, and I thought that was, that was neat. Uh, I had another little story from not... Oh, yeah. Uh, Trump indictment. Right. Which I just haven't been following as much as I might have. Because I, it's going to be so long. Like, we're not going to get results anytime soon. And I don't think he's going to get, you know, arrested or, you know, put in jail. It'll be, I think the New York one isn't a surprise, but something's going down in Georgia as well, right? That would be a bit more interesting. Yeah. And if they start to add up, then, you know, maybe. But, like, right now... I mean, didn't put LBJ in for carpet bombing and using chemical warfare in Vietnam. Didn't put Nixon in jail for Watergate. We were didn't all... put Reagan in for Contra. Didn't Differences, put H.W. Were... Bush in for Iran. They W. All Bush presidents. in for Iraq. Like, you could have afterwards, though. Not for stuff you did while you were president. This is something this is... he did while he was running for president. True. He was but, not the uh, president at the time. 
But the Watergate was like... Nixon was president. He was president, but it wasn't like a presidential order. It was breaking into the Democratic or Democratic National Convention to steal like campaign documents. Yeah. Wasn't good, but he's still president. <laughs> You're not going to like... I think that's the difference. You're, they're not tr going after Trump for stuff he did when he was president. Maybe. Because you pretty much can't. We'll see. I still don't think they'll put him in jail because then they'll start having to hold other presidents accountable for their actions. Um, but you make an interesting argument. Uh, regardless, we'll see. We'll see how it keeps um, uh, adding up. The problem is, I think, a lot of these people who are bringing charges against him, like this New York district attorney or whatever, uh, the U.S. has a system where you run for these positions. Like, it's, a, it's an elected position. And I think that's a problem, because he can get elected. I don't know if he did, but I've heard that he did, but I haven't seen it from a reputable enough source to fully, like, say he did. Um, but, like, that he ran on a I'm-gonna-get-Trump campaign. And I think that is not good for the judicial process. No, absolutely um, not. Like, you I almost... Like, you could get it, I feel like, tossed on that. Like, you can cast enough doubt on the evidence. If that's his campaign, yeah. That like this going in. On a... You're not following the evidence. You're looking for evidence to yeah. convict somebody of something. And more than that, maybe there is better evidence out there. And he's rushing it because he needs to, you know, go after Trump because he wants to get reelected. And he doesn't even need to win, right? He doesn't even need to get Trump arrested. He can just go after him, which would appease the base. And if the judge dismisses it, he's like, well, it's the judge's fault. Yeah, I don't know. The other thing, that, sort of regarding that, we, we watched the other day, the uh, Al Franken is hosting The Daily Show. Yeah. And he had... He was. He isn't anymore. He had, he had Lindsey Graham on. And they were discussing it a little bit. But, you know, it, Lindsey Graham said something interesting. He, he says, you can all boo me. He says, I... It plays well oh, yeah. if Lindsey Graham, you know, Lindsey Graham goes to New York and gets booed. I can withstand that. <laughs> but that's, it's kind of the same thing with Trump getting arrested. Like, it's in New York. Well, I think one, I think if it happens in Georgia, that would be a bit more Maybe. meaningful. But, but I thought Franken left Lindsey Graham, let Lindsey Graham off the hook yeah. in that interview. Like Big I said, time. they were friends. And, and Graham wouldn't have agreed to come on if, if Franken said he was going to press him. Yeah, but um, then why bother? I know. Uh... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, because we also saw um, MTG went to New York to prote protest, and then she, like, went on Fox and was like, it's smelly, it's dirty, it's blah, 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 you know? Yeah. Uh, trashing New York, and I'm like, that's going to help you in your New York campaigns. That's, <laughs> like, that's going to be run in every Democratic ad across New York. Like, yeah. I know she's talking about New York City, but it's going to be run across the state. MTG uh, trashes New York, don't vote Republican. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just, it's, it, 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 you're right, because it'll definitely help him because it's in New York. It will help him in the primary. Um, not that he really needed it. And But it'll be interesting to see if it helps him in a general election. It may, but the, again, does it help him just in states that he already has? Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, it does doesn't it really matter? Do, and does it hurt him in states, swing states that he needs? Yeah, Michigan, know. Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Georgia. Especially if they bring charges in Georgia, does that hurt him in Georgia? Um, we'll see. 
We'll see how it plays out. I really don't think he'll go to jail. I just uh, hope he doesn't win the primary again. I can't. He will. He when it hit him winning the primary again is the best chance a Democrat has of getting elected. I can't believe Biden's running again either, quite frankly. Yeah, but it's a disaster. And still take they, Biden over Trump. They're both. A, it's a complete mess down there. Complete yeah, mess. They are. They are. The Senate's kind of. Well, no, they're not. It is a complete mess. There's some good Democratic senators. There's just enough to ruin it for the rest of them. I hope that I've sort of come to the conclusion, you know, in regards to Kirsten Cinema, who we talked about last time, because last time she'd just gone independent, and now she's been independent for a few months. Um, despite the fact that she still votes with Biden most of the time, I hope the Democrats run a candidate against her, even if it means electing a Republican in Arizona. Because uh, we can beat a crazy Republican, or they can. They can beat a crazy Republican in Arizona in six years. They can. Uh, we, but if they just capitulate to Kristen Sinema, we'll have to deal with her for as long as she wants to run. You know? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. And there's polling. You know, it's not a sure thing, but there's polling that shows a Democrat could win a three-way race with Kristen Sinema in it. It's not a guaranteed spoiler. So I'm like, take the risk. Maybe you win the seat, and even if you don't, even if a Republican gets it, you get rid of a problem. Like, you just exchange one problem for another, and a problem that will be easier to solve in six years than Kirsten Cinema will be. Yeah. It, I, I like the sense of entitlement that she seems to have, and, and re regardless, the next Senate map is nearly impossible for Democrats. They're likely not going to hold the Senate. Like, they need to hold Ohio, West Virginia, and Montana to keep the Senate. All of them. Which will be difficult. So, I just think, whatever. You're probably going to lose it anyway. While we're talking about the states, uh, did you hear about that Clarence Thomas stuff? Yeah. That's kind of crazy. Not surprised at all. Yeah. He's always seemed like the most corrupt one on there to me. And his, I mean, and that whole thing with his wife, with the election. Yeah. And then turns out he goes on fancy vacations with a close personal friend. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everybody buys that. And, uh, yeah, spends hundreds of, or, well, I don't know the exact figure, but lots of money taking you places. Yeah, because it was a personal friend he didn't know he had to report it. Yeah, crazy. Uh Definitely deserves to be impeached. Who also has definitely will not like personal friend, but but also a major contributor to the Republican Party. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, uh, he'll be the next one to go. I think. Uh, yeah, he doesn't look healthy. I think he's just the oldest. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> um, he was appointed by, I believe, H. W. Bush. That's the, that's the thing. I was thinking about this the other day. I, I don't even necessarily think there needs to be term limits on Supreme Court justices, but there should be terms. Like, if, if they get a seven-year term or a ten-year term or a five-year term, whatever, so that you stagger it so that it's not, like, totally concurrent with um, presidential elections and then, you know, every presidential election is run on the Supreme Court... Um, but if you stagger it, and then, like, if a president wants, they can renominate the person, and then they have to go through the Senate approval again, and then if all that happens, sure, you can stay on for another X amount of years, 
but it should not be a appointed once, passed once, and then you get to sit on the bench for 40 years. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Like, I mean, it's no different than ours, except it's more partisan down there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, like, there should be at least terms, if not term limits. Yeah, not limits. If you get real, like, if you're doing a good job and you get... Why not? Yeah. Why not? But The issue now is, if you started doing that, like, you'd also... I also wouldn't want them all to be at once. So you'd have, like, you know, a slate, nine Republican justices, you know? Yeah. So maybe you do it from, I don't know, like, the oldest person gets out sooner and then you, I don't know, you figure out when everybody's for quote unquote first term is done, you know, like yeah. stagger based on how recently they were appointed. Yeah. I don't know how. It makes sense. I, they can figure it out. It's not, it's not insurmountable. Yeah, exactly. But they just need to get rid of the lifetime appointments on the Supreme court. It is ridiculous. But they won't be able um, to, yeah, he won't get impeached. The no Republicans hold the, well, the House wouldn't pass it, and even if it got to the Senate, you need 60 votes to impeach, and Democrats have 51, and Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema are not reliable. Yeah. So at best, they have 49. Sounds like empty hands here. Sounds like they're here. We're going to pause to go say hi. And we're back. Back from saying hi. I thought I thought Nana was coming too, but she wasn't there. No. I thought too, because I thought they were in downtown Georgetown, but mm-hmm. apparently not. None of this is relevant to... No, they don't care. Uh, (laughs) um, Clarence Thomas should be impeached, but he won't be. That's the end of that one. (laughs) Uh, I don't know, do you have anything else uh, international before we bring it home? Uh, No, nothing happened in the last six months internationally. (laughs) But the Paris thing is crazy. Oh yeah, the protests in France. Because they want to, they, they want to increase the retirement age from sixty two to sixty four. Yes. And so they're burning it down. Yeah, burning down the city. I mean, I get it. You don't like giving up what you have, but sixty four doesn't seem that bad. But does it like? Does it not seem that bad because ours is so much higher and like ours sixty five? Work to sixty five. Ours is sixty five. Yeah. Should it not be like? Is there not an argument that it should be lower? Like, with how much Who's people pay- work? Who pays for it? That is the big issue, is the fact that it's with a growing retired population. Yeah, yeah you gotta work You gotta work longer. It's just the way, the way it's gonna be, unfortunately. You had less kids, there's less people supporting these people that are retiring. There's no option. You gotta work a couple years longer, suck it up, stop burning down the country. <laughs> I, uh... Yeah... They can lower it again when things flatten out. Yeah, if they want to, sure. But right now they like, got to raise it. Like, I just don't understand where these people that are burning everything down think this money's coming from. France, you can't just make it. It has to no. come from somewhere. I, I mean, I don't know how their tax system works. I don't know if they're, they could be making that money back if they were a little better. Um, but... I will say, I wish Canadians cared that much about anything. Yeah, that's true. Well, it was a lot of protests when they tried to fire Ron McLean. <laughs> that's, like, not quite the same thing, you know? You're right, it's much worse. <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, I, I admire... I mean, I don't know if we need to burn down a city over a two-year difference. I mean, I, 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 I don't even... Like, if they were just protesting, I'd, I'd be more understanding. But, like, they are burning the city to the ground yeah. <laughs> over two years. Yeah. It doesn't seem quite proportional. But I wish, like, I wish we, we were that active in our politics that... People cared. Yeah. People cared. Like, something, something tried to happen. If somebody tried to do something that you didn't like, there was some sort of pushback. Yeah. Which is what happened in Ottawa. I was going to say, the only people who seem to care are the crazies. Like, I wish we had some more people who cared about real things. But it's just easier to get Canadians, I guess, to care about fake things. Like uh, It just depends what they, what you, the people that are willing to protest, what they care about. Fake things, like microchips in your vaccines, which isn't real. Yeah, but I don't think that's what that was about. There was a lot of those conspiracy theories th- theorists there. I mean, sure, it started with a trucker mandate, which is perhaps a legitimate thing. I mean, it was a real thing, so if you wanted to go protest that because you didn't like it, knock yourself out. But it was co-opted by the crazies. Like, weapons at the Coots border to overthrow the government, plans to overthrow the government in Ottawa. Like, we're going to raid the RCMP because people are putting vaccines in us to microchip us, to track us, so they're going to kill us, or... Like, I just hope none of those people have phones. I, <laughs> oh, they all, they all do. I just they and, all do. And or on TikTok, I I somebody told me I don't know if it's true or not. I haven't looked at it, but somebody told me the TikTok terms and conditions state. So let's say let's say you're on TikTok. If you join the Wi-Fi at the house, the terms and conditions now give TikTok the ability to look at anybody's phone who connects to that Wi-Fi. Yeah, probably. Crazy. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, and now there's that new Amazon that's coming out of China, that Timu or something like that. Never heard of it. Yeah, it's a, there's just a lot of parcels coming through the post office, but there's a lot of it's bright orange parcels, but yeah, yeah, they're, they're uh, taking over. But yeah, that TikTok thing's crazy. And Europe has, in the European Union, some pretty strong data protection laws against ridiculous terms and conditions and how much data mining uh, companies can do uh, to people. And that is something that I find North America severely lags behind on. We yeah. have no protections whatsoever. And nobody, nobody, nobody reads the terms and conditions. No, because it's ridiculous. They're so it's, long, it's super fine print. It, and it's uncomprehensible to the average person. Everybody just checks yes at the end of you. Oh, I want to do yeah. TikTok. Scroll, 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 accept. Same with accept cookies or options. Yeah. Like, no one's going to go into the options and try to figure out what the hell any of that means. Yeah. And there are so many cookies that are unrelated to any website functionality that are just there to gather your data to sell to other companies. That's all they're there for. Yeah. Um, we is, need stronger data protection laws. Europe is way ahead of us on this one. It is crazy how you can be talking about something and then it shows up on your Facebook feed. Yeah, or your or ads around anything online or on your Amazon suggested like purchase list, uh, Instagram, anything. Yeah, no, it's, it's nuts. Crazy. Like it, it, it's amazing. I. I it's just nuts. Yeah. Um, 
But you know what? That sort of segues us into something I wanted to talk about, which is Bill C-11. You're going to have to help me out. Yeah, no. So in Canada, we have laws to promote Canadian content. Came around in the Trudeau senior years. Uh, The government was worried that American culture was going to completely overrun us. And so they instituted a whole bunch of stuff, um, like uh, putting the CBC in more places um, and the How much Canadian the theater radio, network. Radio has to play so much Canadian content. Yeah, CanCon. Yeah. Uh, and we have laws that say when uh, things are filmed in Canada, they have to employ a certain number of Canadians, like a certain percentage of their crew has to be Canadian, uh, basically to ensure that. Canadians get work in the art industry, right? Because we are not, if we are in direct competition with the US and it's not a competition we can win uh, just by ourselves, you know? Yeah, although it makes sense for American companies that come up here because the dollar's weak to hire Canadians and pay them Canadian funds. Yeah, yeah, like it just does. financially, it makes it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, and I don't think they're complaining about it, you know. But I'm just saying we have these laws to make sure that Canadian content gets produced and promoted. Um, so, the dog's chiming in. Yes, he disagrees. <laughs> um, so, Bill C eleven is basically extending those rules to platforms like TikTok, to social media that they have to have their algorithms promote Canadian creators in Canada. That's the, like that's basically it. And then also rules about um, you have to verify your age before you can go on a platform that might show you, uh, you know, explicit or suggestive content or violent content, you know? Yeah, because nobody would ever lie on that age verification. No, but, like, I'm not going to complain if somebody wants to, you know, like, at least put in a safeguard and, you know, maybe, you know, the occasional honest person... I don't know. I don't think it's the end of the world to put an age verification. No, no. No, I don't either. It's just, I don't know what good yeah. it does. <laughs> um, however, there has been an organized effort against Bill C-11 um, by the lobbying groups behind these social media companies and the Conservative Party. And they are now paying Canadian content creators to put videos out coming out against Bill C-11. And there was one in particular uh, that I saw, and this will mean nothing to you, um, but the TikToker Call Me Chris. You're right. That Um, means nothing to me. Yeah. She's one of the biggest Canadian TikTokers out there. Um, She has been big for a while. She blew up pretty early and uh, was a pretty big deal that a Canadian got as big as she did. She makes stupid, goofy videos with a bunch of different characters that she plays herself. Um, it was pretty good. Uh, and that's it. Like, she just does goofy videos. And she releases a video the other day out of nowhere. She's all serious and, like, face off all. She's like, I am scared because Bill C-11 is going to come out and manipulate everyone's feed and the government's going to control what you see online and they're going to be able to stop you from pursuing the things you want, and uh, age verification is going to cut your viewership, 
and uh, all these things. She's never made a political TikTok in her life. Never made a video like that ever. And then now she suddenly is filled with misinformation. And she links a uh, site that has a petition against C11, a site run by a lobbyist who works for social media companies. And then a ton of other Canadian creators came on in reaction to the video and said, like, this is nonsense and this will actually help. You're right, it will manipulate your feed. It'll make your videos be seen by more people across Canada and my videos too. Like, it will help Canadian creators and it will attempt, at the very least, to make the internet safer for younger people. Um, and... Uh, one person was like, I bet she was paid to do this. And then another person came on and was like, I bet she was paid to do this too, because I was offered to be paid to make a similar video and turned it down. Um, because they knew I made political videos, so they wanted me to come out against it. Um, and how much, but she must make money on TikTok. It is difficult for Canadians. I don't know anymore. I don't know where it is now, but uh, there's something called like, there's like a fund that. American TikTokers can sign up for to make money off TikTok. I don't believe Canadians have us, uh, access to it. Yeah, so and be, so what she makes be super popular and not make any money. Uh, well, you're probably getting paid. if you become popular enough, you're probably you're not making money off of TikTok. You're making money indirectly if a company comes in and pays you to promote their product, um, like makes a side deal with you to promote your product and a TikTok. Um, if you know, you're often paid to go like streaming con and stuff like that. Um, and also there are pages that you can set up where people just give you money. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, if they like your content, you have to make good enough content and become big enough. And then, you know, you'll have uh, uh, it's called a link tree and it'll be just like a bunch of links to other stuff of yours. And so you might have your Amazon wish list, so people can just buy things you want off of Amazon and send them to you, and then you open it in a video and you're like, thank you so much, and that person, I guess, feels good seeing you open the thing they bought you. And no, it's ridiculous, it's a thing. Um, or just like, hey, if you want to give me money, go to this PayPal and send me money, and people will do that. I, I get that in the sense that you're not paying, if they're not making any money, you know, pay for your content, it's why, you know, I don't have one of those black boxes. I, you know, if I want, I don't have cable either, but if I want cable, I'll pay for cable. I don't think it's worth it, so we don't buy it. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not going to get a black box that makes it cheaper because that's not fair to the artists that are working on cable. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, uh, it's a similar sort of thing. I, I, if we, we pay for the internet, so we pay for what we want, which yeah. is kind of the similar sort of thing, except for it's even... It's even more sort of honest because it's, it's after the fact. I've seen your video. I like it. I'll pay you for it. Yeah. Which I, I, I have no problem with that. I mean, I have no problem it's with it. It's weird buying them stuff. That's weird. Yeah, I know. I'd, I'd, I'd just give somebody money before I sent them like a teddy bear or a watch or something. It's on their wish list. <laughs> like, ooh, thank you, a spatula. Yeah, so so people make money. The Sitchin Tuckers make money that way. But... I'm sure she was given a lot of money, you know, to make that video. By Facebook, TikTok, whatever. Lobbyists, yeah, yeah. whoever. Um, and it's just very much... Because her videos are also very often 
um, family friendly. And so, like, it, there's going to be a lot of younger people seeing this just blatant misinformation. It's, yeah. And I don't know the solution. Because there's so much misinformation spread online to young, impressionable people. You wonder... By if... people like this who, you know, they think they can trust because they're just a friendly, funny video maker person. They, they might... They might think... I mean, misinformation doesn't mean they... She doesn't believe it. Maybe. She could just be wrong, too, I guess. Um, but I just... Uh, it's weird. Do, do other countries have a similar law where you get your content promoted? Because I often thought, you know, Canadian artists are good enough that do they need these CanCon laws? Um, I don't know if other countries do. Uh, I think that they, a lot of them are, you know, CanCon or not, Drake would be playing, The Weeknd would be playing, um, would the Bare Naked Ladies have gotten as big as they did without CanCon? Absolutely. Would... It was, it wasn't CanCon, it was... It was uh, being friends with uh, what's his name from Big Bang and writing that theme song. That's what really took them off. Was it? Oh. I think so. I don't think it was CanCon. Tragically Hip? Tragically Hip never got big. They got big in Canada. Yeah, they should have got big. They're a way better band than would, Bare Naked Ladies. But would they have gotten as big as they did even in Canada without CanCon? Yeah, I think so. You do? Uh, yeah, absolutely. They're, they're a, they are a fabulous band. They, what, what did CanCon do for them? I mean... Played their music more. Yeah, but people just demanded it. D but what came first? Like, I don't know. That's the thing. You don't know. You don't know. I, but they were a great band. But I think I, there's... I think, I think there's many cases like, you know, Anne Murray. Like, yeah, okay, she's a good singer, but, you know... That was CanCon, I think. Possibly. And r regardless, I think the sheer volume of stuff that's pumped out of the U.S., I think we would hear less Canadian content. Um, I think the big failure around CanCon is you don't know necessarily whether you're listening to is Canadian. Yeah, that's true. Like, and the other so thing, does it matter? The other thing is, well, you don't know. It does because it's what you listen to and then uh, consequently what you buy. Because you know it, yes. You don't know where it's from, but you you, you still yeah. end up buying the album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fair enough. But the um, the uh, oh, what was I gonna say? I don't remember. Doesn't matter. We're, again, I think it's good for hiring practices as well. I think it should be. Um, I think where I, like I support this C eleven largely. Um, I think where we really need to reinvest is surprise theater. I think. Um, there used to be the Canadian Theatre Network uh, had like one big theatre in every province. So they had the provincial theatre to both focus on Canadian and provincial content, you know, to promote artists within the province. Very few of those are still standing. Um, the Citadel in Edmonton is uh, one of the most successful still, um, and that's where that came from. Most of the others no longer exist. Uh, Ontario's recently, I think, collapsed because of the cuts to funding thanks to Doug Ford. Is that where they keep the Jedi prisoner? What do you mean? The Citadel? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, 
So, so it's I, in Edmonton. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, that should be reinvigorated. I think the CBC could put out better content if they got more funding. Maybe. I mean, they've got lots of, they got more, they've got more funding in the past and they've had brutal content, like really bad, really bad. I think the really CBC bad. should start looking at the, try to learn from the BBC. Yeah, absolutely. The BBC puts out brilliant television. Yeah. And there's no reason why the CBC couldn't do that. No, absolutely. No, you just need to have... I'm sure there's talented writers in Canada and talented producers that could put things together. They just don't. Well, they, and I, I, they get these hokey comedians and do all these awful sitcoms, and it, it's not funny. But uh, people think it is, I guess. Things have been on forever, but like Hudson and Rex, how's that still on? I don't even know what that is. It's like a cop and his dog. How's that still on TV? I don't know. It's it's bad. Uh, oh, I know what I was going to say. And the, the, the CanCon thing, I remember one of Brian Adams' songs, who everybody consider a Canadian artist, but he like recorded it in the States and had like a Swedish producer or something, so it didn't qualify, which is weird too. That is weird, yeah. Um, but anyway, I yeah, I think they just need to go and look at the BBC. I think CBC should make a deal with BBC to start streaming some of their shows. The BBC shows. Yeah. Yeah. Just to bring in more of an audience, get some of that more audience funding, and then uh, put it to making quality CBC shows. Yeah. And I just think we could use a good influx of not American stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, yeah, I guess a lot of stuff is, is US-based, but a lot of stuff is also space-based. Like, but, but, it but, like, based around Americans... Well, yeah. I mean, kind of. I mean, you look at Star Trek, sure, Picard's an American, but the rest of them aren't. I mean, there's Klingons, there's Vulcans. There's... Yeah, but Captain Kirk comes from a small hometown in Iowa. And Captain so P- Janeway P- comes Picard's from... French. Picard's French, British. He's British. Um, but Janeway's from small Indiana, and Cisco has his home down in Louisiana. Why are they all from Red States? <laughs> um, Cisco's from Louisiana you know Archer's from the states I don't remember where because I, I couldn't bring myself to watch that show um, it's yeah. just like no, it's definitely they're pandering to the people that are mostly watching exactly it's, it's not it's 300 million viewers versus 30 million viewers right or 400 million versus 40 now or whatever we're at I think they're at 350 million we're at about 40 mil yeah so you know they're not going to say they're from Toronto. That's why whenever you see a show and there's like a mention of Canada, it's like, hey. Yeah, exactly. Like Bones a couple times mentioned Canada. It's, hey, there's Montreal. The, the murderer's Canadian. That's awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do think uh, we need to be promoting more Canadian content. Uh, I think we need to do it, but um, it ne- in it, different ways. It, yeah, and it needs to be Good. quality. Like I don't... Good stuff. I don't, uh, you know, like... The Beachcombers was never great. You know, there's just there's just show after show. I feel like patheticness. I feel like from the CBC. Murdoch Mysteries used to be good. Was I don't it, know if it is still that, is. Is that CBC? I don't. It's CBC. I thought it was CTV. No, I think it's CBC. Is it? Yeah, it's decently written. It's it's okay. It, there's just a difference. 
there's just a difference in quality of recording even like like it's like we have the united states hand-me-down cameras or something we probably do <laughs> it's just uh, yeah uh we we need to do more and c11 is at least something and misinformation to bring it back now that's that's spiraled out uh, <laughs> but yeah we'll see um I think that has passed, or is at least close to passing. I doubt this petition. Petitions, I sign a lot of petitions. They normally do nothing. Um, I, but I, I, you were talking about theater, and I, I do think it's important to have theater, but somehow you have to get people going. Like, yeah, I, I don't. I it can't be fully supported by taxpayer dollars. There has to be, like, you have no, to be I able want to it to be. You have to be able to fill the house. Now, you know, you go see Hamilton; it's packed. You go see Harry Potter, it's packed. So people are willing to go. People are willing to fork it out. It just needs to get enough press. It needs to get promoted. more promotion. And, you know, also, like, uh, I picked up a flyer from the from the butcher for this local local show that was getting put on, like a murder mystery comedy at Georgetown Little Theater, I thought, hey, that'd be kind of cool to go to, brought it home, and then promptly just forgot about it. Yeah, I forget about it all the time, too. I, unfortunately, and, you know, I am big with theater. Um, the, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, it needs to be promoted. The other issue is it's so expensive, but it's so expensive because they have to keep it up when nobody's going. Like, they can't lower ticket prices to try to attract more people because then they couldn't afford to put it up at all. Yeah. It's it's a bit of chicken and egg thing. It, more people would go probably if it was cheaper. But if it was cheaper... They might not get it up. Yeah, exactly. You know, if... Uh, you know, more people might go eventually if it's cheaper, but it's not just like so everyone's going to in-flood the next year because it's cheaper. It, the other thing that, you know, you look at how Yellowknife did it, and it was such a, a community event when well, something was put on. Yeah, like when I've... they did Les Mis, it was an event. Everybody yes. went. It was a packed house for the week it was on. And but... your and your high school ones were a packed house for most of those shows for the week they were on. In Yellowknife, though, they have the significant advantage of nothing else going on. <laughs> well, yeah, but... Yeah. Nothing. Little... There's nothing else There's to other do. stuff. There if is you've other seen stuff. the three movies at the movie theater... There's nothing else to do. There's other stuff to do. Like what? You could just, you know, you always just have the option of going hanging out with friends and going to a restaurant and not going to the theater. Okay, but if you've been there but for 10 years, you've been go. to every restaurant 100 times. Yeah, but you still hang out with friends, <laughs> hang out at home, have people over at dinner. You don't have to go to the theater, but people go. Yeah. I think because it's easy to promote because you're getting to fewer people, you get into the local paper that everybody reads... The fact that it's small helps. The key, the other thing is a decent local paper. Like, uh, Which don't exist anymore. The Yellow Knifer is a pretty good paper. But local papers don't exist anymore. Well, you've got the Georgetown Free and Independent Press, but it's just not... Which isn't great. That great. It's mostly ads. Like, there's not a lot of articles. I don't know. Maybe I should start reading it and I'd get into it. But, but yeah, that's, you know, you, you really need that in order to promote community. Yeah. Well, there's more of a sense of community in Yellowknife. Perhaps. I, I just, I think it's because they're so isolated. Yeah, probably. Um, whereas here, like, we're a small town, but we're not isolated in any shape, way or form. Way, no. shape, or form. Yeah. Um, moving on. 
In fact, I wish we were more isolated. <laughs> uh, what do we have? What am I going to do next from my list? Okay. Um, let's go on to this before we get into sort of party politics. Um, for the first time in, I didn't write down the exact, I think it's something like 20 years, uh, but certainly the first time maybe since in the 21st century, I don't know, for the first time in a long time. One in four children are having to use food banks. 25% of children in Canada. Uh, I mean, it's still fallen from COVID. Which is super high. At a time when employment is reaching record highs. We are at almost the lowest unemployment that Canada has ever had. Yeah. But inflation is also as high as it's ever been. That's well, not true. It, but it's it's very high. Exactly. Gas is through the roof. Food is astronomical. And that's my point. Wages are not keeping pace with inflation. In fact, they haven't been since about the 90s. Um, like just general inflation. And then with this crazy inflation now, wages are still pretty stagnant. Um, wages need to go up. Well, the the problem is it's the it's the middle class wages that have been squeezed. The the top end wages have gone up probably more than inflation. Way more. Well, Galen Weston just got a big raise. Yeah, uh, I saw that because he was apparently underpaid. One of the richest men in Canada was underpaid. So, I will never. I don't know who is running. Well, Galen Weston is running Loblaws, um, but I think it's ridiculous. Ridiculous that they are just so it just goes to show you that rich people are not normal people like they're so out of touch because I think we said before we might not have said on the podcast because I don't think we were talking about this last time but Loblaws and Galen Weston could be a national hero if he took a pay cut a quote unquote big pay cut that would probably hardly dent his lifestyle lowered food prices and just took a bit of an L for the company that would definitely survive for six months to a year in order to make food more accessible. He doesn't even need to take a pay cut. He can just have the company make less than record profits. Yes. And then and then, you know, he could, you know, have it that way for a year, be a national hero, and then the next year jack him all the way up and people will forgive him because they'll remember when they helped he helped. Right? Like, well, depending on what the economy does the yes, next year. But, but like, it, he could be a national hero and profit from it because probably more people would go to Loblaws because of all the PR. He still might end up with record profits. Yeah. But just due to volume. But then instead, not only does he not do that, not only do they make record profits, no, he to, gets a raise. In, in fairness, nobody did that. Well, he gets a raise because he had record profits. <laughs> I know, but it's ridiculous. Like, they... I guess they just don't care because they're like where else shop somewhere else then like you know they don't care well they're all the same nobody's reducing prices and taking exactly. a hit on their bottom line because everybody's uh you know uh, beholden to the shareholders and the shareholders are also for the most part you know the average joe maybe has uh, some shares in their uh rsp you know mutual funds that have a few shares in loblaws or whatever but your average person doesn't own a million Loblaw shares and is making money on each quarter. They're all, it's the elite. 
And, Absolutely. And, and it's the elite looking after the elite, and the rich are getting richer. And this is why capitalism mostly doesn't work. Well, it worked because for a long time, and then there was... But neither does communism, and it it's works. the same problem. Well, it's, but, it's the greed of the peop- of the ruling class. But it's not either or. No, when capitalism I, yeah. was working, there was much higher taxes on companies and the richest people. Well, when we say, quote-unquote, working, there was much higher taxes, there was much more regulation, until it got gutted by Thatcher, Reagan, and Mulroney. Yeah. Um, you need a strong, you need at a minimum a strong mixed economy and government intervention in the economy to make sure that stuff like this doesn't happen. Because Loblaws and Costco and Walmart are not in competition with each other. Not really. Right? They, like, none of them, like, they can just all keep their prices high together. And then they all make a ton of money. Well, this is what I've been—I mean, I mean, it, this is what I've been saying about gas for a long time. Like, when I was growing up, they used to have gas wars. Like companies would have to lower their price because their neighbor did across the street. The other company did. So then this guy did. So then that guy lowered. So that guy lowered. And you'd have a gas war with prices going down. And now it's the exact opposite. It's like, is somebody willing to pay uh, five, you know, half a cent to cross the street? I think I can go half a cent higher. Then across the street, it's like, oh, huh, I think I can go three-tenths of a cent higher than him. And it just goes up and up and up. Like, it's the exact opposite. And, you know, it's one of those things that maybe we need to be a bit more French and start burning down the place. Cause, exactly. Like, where's the competition? Where's, capitalism works when there is competition. Yes, but it without the government coming in and putting in some strict rules... The competition will eventually somebody wins, right? Like the people win, they establish, they're massive. Nobody can really compete with them, and they can just do whatever they want. Like the top three, like four, five companies, or just Amazon or Apple. Or Apple. Yeah. Somebody wins, or Google. They like, just buy. They just buy out anybody yeah. that looks like they're going to win. Yeah. Competition. Oh, you're a threat. Okay. Five billion dollars to walk away. Guy who's doing a startup company's like, okay, I'm a billionaire now. Great. Here's my company. Yeah. Right? Oh, absolutely. It's, you need, they need to come in, which is why, here's the other big story in Canada. Um, the government just approved Rogers buying Shaw because what Canada needed was less telecom competition. Less than a year after the massive Rogers blackout in Ontario, they're like, yeah, you can probably run it in Western Canada too. Seems like you can. Yeah, that's not great. The, the, uh, you know, talking about competition back, back, you know, when America was great, <laughs> GE was, I think it was GE got so big, it got broken up. Yeah. We, that's what we need to do. We need to break up big like companies. Companies got broken up into smaller companies never and happening. then had to compete with each other. Would never happen. And that's now. the only way that it works. I, I'm not for total government. I mean, people say that's government control, but otherwise... You don't have competition, you have monopolies, which is essentially what we have now. I mean, maybe yeah. you have two options, but those two options don't fight. Because and you only I, have two options. Yeah, they don't need to fight. Yeah. Like they, can, and they have two options, they set their prices the same. You can buy an Apple or a Samsung, but they'll both cost you 1400 bucks. Yeah. Like, there's no difference. It's not a competition. And that's the thing where 
people have to reframe. Government control is... Like, what would you rather have? A big government that you can pick who's in charge, or massive monopolies that run most of your day because they control when you go to work, when you have to be at work, what your working conditions are like, all this kind of stuff, the prices you're paying for food, the prices you're paying for utilities, and you have no control over what they do. Your best weapon against company overreach is the government. Yeah, it's the only real... Well, it's not the only weapon when you have choice. It's, a, it's another one of these catch-22s, right? Chicken and egg thing. The only way to get choice is by, you know, not allowing... Well, government still has the control. They just ought not to take it, again, because they're pretty much bought by these big companies. Right? Rogers could... The company... Canada could have said, no, you can't buy Shaw. We yes. need another company here. They had. They had to get government approval. Yeah. That happens with... That happened when uh, even my company, when we were Dominion, when we got bought, it needed government approval. It was a U.S. company. It didn't just get okay. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, you need government approval. Just government always gives approval. Yeah. are not like, you know time. what? This is bad for the... This is this is a bad idea. Shaw is an important part of of the competition that's keeping prices low. What? What, what prices are low? Well... In telecoms. <laughs> cable prices are a little mean? bit low. Maybe. Canada has some of the highest telecom prices in the world, though. Well, yeah, the data is ridiculous. Yeah. Phones are ridiculous. We we need massive breakups. We need huge, like, an active government to come in to break up telecoms, break up law laws, break up anything we can. And the U.S. has obviously more power to do that and should but won't because, you know, it's corporate party number one or corporate party number two. Yeah. Ridiculous. I'm running out of stuff. Need to run to Europe. Need to move to Europe. Yeah. I'm running out of stuff. Are we going to do more than one episode? No. Okay. <laughs> there was discussion of breaking it up into multiple episodes, but... Uh, You'll just have to just... call in. I think I can get you called in on this one, too. Hopefully. Uh, anyway, okay, so moving on to more partisan politics. Uh, we'll start with... The Liberals, the Federal Liberals, and we'll end with the provinces. Um, I This government is so bad at things. And here's this specific one. They had to appoint a new ethics commissioner, because the current ethics commissioner retired, well, the previous one. And they appointed the sister-in-law of, or maybe cousin-in-law, I don't know, something-in-law of a government minister. Yeah, not a great start. I mean, like, maybe it, maybe they're very qualified. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You, you when if it comes you, to the ethics commissioner, you cannot even have the appearance. I don't care if they hate each other. I don't care if this cousin, sister-in-law, whatever, and the minister hate each other. You cannot even have the appearance of favoritism because now they cannot make a ruling without the opposition calling it into question. Like, the government could do something questionable, the ethics commissioner looks into it, and realize that it wasn't. It was fine. They didn't actually break any rules. And they could be right, but it's always going to be called into question. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's bad form. Although yeah. I do like the, uh, that they're doing the dentist thing. Dental care? Yeah. That's the NDP. That's not the Liberals. Well, the Liberals are, are going along with it. Because otherwise they wouldn't be in government. 
Yeah. But the liberals. I mean, the no, option is no, to have another election. No, the liberals get no credit for this because they wouldn't do it by themselves. They wouldn't. The only reason they're doing, like, they if didn't you want to say no, them, they did, they said no uh, when we brought a motion on it uh, in the past, last or two years ago. They said no when every election we've run and said we do don't care, and they said no. They've said no every time until now where we forced them to if they wanted to stay in power. Yeah, so they said yes. Good for them. They Good for the NDP for utilizing the power they have in this to get people dental care. Yeah, good for them. Good for them I too. Give, I give nothing to the liberals on this. Nothing. Because it's not their uh, idea. I mean, it's not really the NDP's idea because it, they didn't come up with it, but they're the only party... Uh, that's consistently run on it forever. Yeah, it's good. Either way, however it happens, it's good. Yes. Just credit where credit's due, and the credit does not go to the liberals. Um, it is good, and it will continue to expand, and I hope I qualify under this one, because I could use a dentist. Um, but uh, we'll see. It's going to roll out. I like that the way they're doing it basically cuts the provinces out of the picture, because the provinces can't be trusted to run it. Uh, they can't be trusted to run any healthcare. It's just unfortunate that they already do. Yeah, they do run most of it. It's very, very unfortunate. Um, let's move on to the provinces with that. Um, let's move from the west, east coast to the west coast. PEI just had an election for their prov provincial legislature. It was very interesting. Um, 27 seats up for grabs. 22 of them were won by the governing progressive conservatives. Five seats went to other parties, three to the Liberals, two to the Greens. Um, before the election, Liberals had five seats and the Greens had nine. This was the province where the Greens were the official opposition. Ouch. Um, the uh, unfortunate though, thank you first past the post, uh, the Greens came second in the popular vote, uh, but they lost a ton of ridings by a couple hundred votes um, where they had incumbents, like just barely lost, whereas the Liberals only held their incumbent seats and still lost two seats and came third in the popular vote. Um, so it's unfortunate. Um, the Liberals, it was very similar to Ontario where the Liberals ran, in the last Ontario election, the Ontario Liberals ran to undermine the NDP to try to become the official opposition. They targeted NDP seats, they didn't target conservative seats. The Liberals and PEI ran to be the official opposition by attempting to undermine the Greens. With all four of their seats? Good for them. Three seats. Now. <laughs> well, good for them. Um, so they are the official opposition. Um, the Greens, I think, need to learn a hard lesson about organizing. Because they've run an effective opposition for four years. They did not set up the party organization in the ridings that they held. Like they didn't set up the consistent volunteers to door knock. They didn't uh, have enough of a strong presence in individual ridings. Like you need that kind of party organization um, if you're going to win. And the Greens didn't have that. And yeah, that's, that's why they got reduced to two seats. Uh, so, you know. Really, though, it's PEI. Who cares? <laughs> It's PEI and the progressive conservatives there are basically federal liberals. Um, but 
we'll see. Uh, I mean, I think it'll be, you know, just a normal four years. We'll see what happens in the next election. It'll be interesting. The NDP, oh, and neither the Liberals or the Greens managed to run a full slate of candidates. Um, they got most, but not all. The NDP was hoping to pick up a seat. Uh, they didn't. Um, so that's that. Uh, just, it is a pretty big victory, obviously, for Dennis King's progressive conservatives. And uh, too bad. It would have been interesting to see how the Greens did if they had um, uh, formed a government. It would have been very interesting. Um, I'm actually going to skip. I said East Coast to West Coast, so I'm going to jump to the other coast first. John Horgan. Sorry. What? Can I deposit? Oh, this is what. Sorry, John Hogan. Horgan. Uh, John Horgan. Colonel Hogan. <laughs> uh, do you know who John Horgan is? No, but I know who Colonel Hogan is. Do you? No. Who's Colonel Hogan? Uh, he it was the captain in the uh, old sitcom uh, Hogan's Heroes. Oh. Yeah, there was uh, they were in a Nazi prison of war camp. Colonel Klink was the head German. Uh, Sergeant Bullcalter was the sergeant that sort of looked after him. Sitcom in a in a prison of war camp. Is that you don't the, get that uh, anymore? Is that the um, I see nothing. Yeah. I know nothing. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 Bull Coulter. Oh, yeah. Cool. John Horgan was the uh, premier of British Columbia, uh, NDP, uh, for the past few years. He's not anymore. He uh, had a fight with cancer. Um, got through it, but afterwards, with all the treatment and stuff, he found he just didn't have the energy to continue being premier, which I think is totally fair. It's a demanding job. Uh, so he stepped down and has now joined the board of a coal company. He was uh, the premier as an NDP person? Yes. Oh, wow. So... To be fair, it's not that hard to be on the board. Like, it's not the same as being a premier. A coal company. Yeah, uh, you know, there's green coal these days. Clean coal, as Trump used to say. Yeah. We're going to do the clean coal. Uh, it's not a good look for British Columbia uh, NDP. They struggled with their environmental image because they allowed a lot of um, uh, uh, lumbering in protected areas and uh, old forest areas. Um so they did struggle on the environmental front. And the Greens have a decent presence in British Columbia. Um, like only three, like they get two to three seats in the legislature, um, but they consistently do. Um, so they're, and, and they uh, actually propped up the NDP government um, uh, in its first few years before they got a majority in the last election. Um, so they're, uh, they're a real political force in uh, British Columbia. And I think it'll be, despite the fact that he's not in government anymore, I think it will hurt the NDP. And the Greens jumped on it, and they've jumped on it um, across the country because, of course, still to this day, British Columbia is the only NDP government in the country. Uh, so they say, oh, look at this NDP government, you know, oh, look at him, it pisses where, how he actually feels, you know, no wonder he's doing this, that, and the other thing in government. Uh, it's, it's a bad look. Yeah, I mean, people gotta work, though. Did he, did he have multiple job offers, and this is the one he decided to take? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine that 
one of the most popular and successful premiers in British Columbian history um, would struggle to get a job after. Maybe. Um, but yeah, who knows? Maybe it's his buddy that runs it. That's not good either. <laughs> either way, it's uh, it is a bad look for the NDP, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that uh, comes into play uh, across the country um, when we have other elections. Yeah, it's not great. I mean, yeah. he might have he might have talked to somebody first, like, "Hey, you think I should do this?" Yeah, what could go wrong? What could I think everyone's going to love that for you? Um, so yeah, so that was interesting. And then lastly, this is my last thing. Maybe he just wants to make sure that the that nothing else is disturbed while they take the coal out and it keeps the province it's... beautiful. Okay. They should just not take coal out. Um, moving over to Alberta. That's the last thing I have. Because, of course, Alberta has an election coming up in a month and a half. Uh, oh, no, it's less than a month now. It's like two weeks. Um... Three-ish. Regardless, it's going to be a tight election. It's going to be one of the most important in Albertan history. It's going to be one of the most important in Canada for a while, basically until we have another federal election. Uh, and it's between Danielle Smith and, obviously, uh, Rachel Notley, UCP NTP. I don't remember if Danielle Smith was premier when we last had... I think so. Was she? Yeah. Recently? Yeah. Um... Possibly. Regardless, she's crazy. Um, and we were talking earlier about crazies and protests. And obviously we had many in Alberta during the vaccine stuff. Um, Jason Kenney was ousted because he wasn't crazy enough uh, and replaced with Daniel Smith when in her voter base was crazy anti-vaccine people. That's how she appealed to the Alberta uh you know, independence, uh, like whatever act she said that basically, like the Alberta Advantage or the Alberta Independence or whatever, um, act that let them say, oh, we don't have to follow federal laws we don't like. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty crazy. That's all just nonsense. I, I do I do think you can be anti-vaccine and not crazy. I'm just saying, it's not, there are some people that are like super, you know, out I, there, but, I, like you could, like mom and I don't do the flu vaccine. You know, we try not to take too many vaccines. We try to build up your own personal immunity so that you don't need. You know, I'm not anti. Go ahead, but you know. But like we're talking about microchips. Yeah, no, that's what like, I like. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you can say I don't want to do the vaccine and not be crazy. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of personal choice people out there um, that is separate from anti-vaccine. Um, that uh, sort of a crowd where the um, oh god, what am I trying to say? Like, like you it's up you. to you. Yeah, you, you do, do you. you. I'll do me. But, um, but yeah, like you said, maybe you don't want to, but don't think Bill Gates is trying to track you. Yeah. I mean, he is, just not through vaccine. Exactly. Um, You're already tracked. Yeah. 100%. Um, but anyway, it was those types of conspiracy theorists that Danielle Smith rode to 
um, victory, and uh, a lot of anti-mandate people as well. Um, one such anti-mandate person was a pastor from small-town Alberta, um, you know, super homophobic, anti-trans, xenophobic, anti-lockdown, hateful type of person. Uh, and he broke the law several times around uh, lockdowns, and he was arrested. And Daniel Smith did a big show of, we're going to go on a COVID apology tour, forever locking down anything, and we're going to go easy on the people who have been arrested. Uh, and she promised them that she would get them out of criminal charges. Um, and we have a recording of a time while she was premier. She had an 11-minute call, at least, with this particular pastor, where she said she was in constant contact with the prosecutors to try to get them to drop the case, um, apologizing for being unsuccessful so far, saying she's working on it, saying I've got your back, all these other things, saying that it's not going as fast because she thought she would have U.S. president-type powers to pardon people <laughs> when she became premier. <laughs> That's funny. Like, you don't know what the job is when you're getting it? You'd think. You'd think uh, somebody who's run for it several times, Where? who was a leader of the opposition in the early 2010s, and who then made a living on a political radio talk show, might know the powers of the premier. When, when do I get the football? Yeah. <laughs> it's... For our nukes? nukes? <laughs> no? You don't do that? No? Okay, sorry. Um... It's ridiculous. And also, talking to the prosecutors, illegal. Is there, interfering... a, is there a crown? Do I get a crown? <laughs> but like the interfering with an independent justice system. And then she said, oh, well, I meant um, the justice ministry. I didn't mean prosecutors. Wait, do you not know what the prosecutor... Like you said it several there's a, times. There's a good chance she doesn't. Yeah, I know. Like That's she, the thing. She just said... She thinks she had pres presidential pardoning power. She might not know the difference. She may very well not know. That's the thing. Are you stupid or are you breaking the law? Like, so it's been a big deal in Alberta um, because it's a pretty big thing. It's interfering with an independent judiciary. It's illegal um, if she actually did it. Um, so, you know, and then if she didn't do it, she's just lying to these people, you know? <laughs> Like, if she's saying, I didn't do it, okay, so you lied to the guy on the phone? Like, there's no way she comes away from this looking good, right? Um, so she's been hounded on it, but now she says um, that she's contemplating suing CDC for hounding on this story, um, saying that uh, it's uh, they're slandering her, um, uh, as well as for something else, some other story where she did something wrong and it was reported. So she's contemplating suing the CDC, and she won't uh, answer any more uh, questions about it while it's before the courts. Um, and so she can't. So she won't answer any more questions about it on the campaign trail. Because we're about to go into a campaign, right? So she's like, oh, I won't. Well, it's before the courts. And if it's before the courts, you know, it could take a long time, well through the campaign. 
and she's just going to say, I can't answer questions because before the, before the courts. Is it? No. Because she said she's contemplating suing the CBC. Yeah. She has not sued the CBC, and even if she does, it will be a long time before it's before the courts. So it's such a BS excuse. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's absurd. But they just got to still push her on it. I, I, and I think they're going to. And I hope that it comes up in the debate stage, and Daniel Smith's like, oh, I can't talk about it. And then Rachel Notley's like, okay, I will. <laughs> Great. Fine. I'll tell you exactly what happened. Yeah. Because uh, we have an 11-minute recording of it. It's ridiculous. She is a joke of a person. Yeah, but she's going to win, no? I, I don't know anymore with this. Yeah. It's been narrowing. Yeah. The NDP has been ahead slightly in the last few polls. Now, the NDP had more than slightly to win. Thank you, first past the post. Um, but I wouldn't say it's guaranteed anymore. I really thought they were a few weeks ago. Um, but uh, I'm not sure. And I even saw a article the other day by Eric Grenier, who's one of the CBC's election person, one of the two big election trackers in the country, um, that said um, the UCP probably still has the advantage, but it's shaken up in that it's no longer on, it's not, uh, no longer the onus on the NDP to win, it's the onus on the UCP not to lose. Right. So we'll see what happens. But it is interesting because, you know, I talk about 338 Canada a lot as well, who's the other big election tracker, Philip Fournier, and Eric Grenier uh, is the CBC one, he does it a lot. They, um, every once in a while, get together and do a special on Eric Grenier's podcast called The Writ. And in their last one, they disagreed. Um, Eric Grenier thought it was almost a pure toss-up. Um, Philip Fournier was pretty sure the UCP would win. Interesting. Uh, and But you're the other thing, you're going out there. I am. I'm going to work the election. Uh, That's exciting. My bias. Yeah, going to be putting up a lot of signs over the next month. And, and uh, organizing other people to put up signs. Yeah, they like, like, like headhunted you for this. Um... Ish. Ish. I, uh, um, like when I, I had two jobs essentially with the Alberta NDP, uh, when I left Alberta, um, and, uh, obviously they liked you. Yeah, they liked me. Um, they, they said, Hey, if you want to come back to work, uh, we'll probably hire you again. My One of my bosses specifically uh, really liked me, was impressed, and he said, uh, I'll hire you again in a heartbeat. Um, that's good. Well, that'll said, be good to uh, be out there working yeah. on the election, and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, hopefully things turn out well. Yeah. So I leave Friday, I'm back for the weekend, and then I leave again for five weeks. Yeah, you're going out to see your friends, friends play. Yeah. And, and visit friends in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but this week particular because one of my friends is in her uh, closing play for the program she's in. Same program I did. Yeah, that's exciting stuff. Yeah, it is. I'm looking forward to it. Alrighty, well, we'll try to uh, we'll try to do it. Uh, you know, we'll try to get him calling in while he's out there. We can do one at least. No word from the ground. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Alrighty, well, thanks for tuning in. We'll talk at you again next time.